This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Carlson, Carlson, världens bästa Carlson. Carlson, Carlson, hoj här kommer Carlson. Carlson, Carlson, ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Carlson vill jag så bra som mig. Carlson, Carlson, Carlson scores! Carlson, Carlson! Yes, welcome everybody to another episode of Keeping Carlson Fans Hockey Podcast, the best fantasy hockey podcast in the world, hosted by two guys, Owen Eric Carlson, and their keeper pools. I am your host, Elon Dubrowski, and I've got another installment of the 31 Beats interview series for you today. I had a really fun chat with George Richards all about the Florida Panthers. It was a really good time. We talked about everyone, just like usual, and George has some really fun takes, and yeah, just a cool guy. I really enjoyed talking to him. You're going to like the show, trust me. Before we get to that interview, let me of course mention that we are presented by DauberHockey.com, the number one resource for fantasy hockey out there. If you're playing some playoff fantasy hockey, if you've got some drafts going on right now, you better be checking out Dauber Hockey to get the latest on all of the fantasy insights for all the players that you might be drafting. You've got articles coming out every day, plus you got to use the tools over at Frozen Tools to help you prepare for your drafts, just like I prepare for every episode of Keeping Carlson. So once again, that's DauberHockey.com, frozen tools, which you'll see links for once you go to DauberHockey.com. It's great. Check it out. But with that, no more preamble required. Here is my interview with George Richards. Enjoy. All right, everybody. Super excited to bring you our next beat writer interview, this time about the Florida Panthers. I have the man who covers the Florida Panthers for Florida Hockey Now and works for the Miami Herald. It is George Richards. Welcome to the show, George. Hey, hey, what's going on? Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk about the Panthers. I really appreciate you coming on, especially with uh, less than a week to go before this whole playoffs get started. Yeah, you know what? People are always asking me, uh, you know, about, you know, the break and all that. I was like, you know what? Before you know it, we'll be playing hockey again. And and we'll look back on these four or five months like they were a dream or something. <laughs> but, man, it, it does feel like a long time since we've had hockey. Yeah, I'll be honest. I didn't really expect that this was actually going to happen. And now here we go. The Panthers are going to play against the Islanders. I was just talking to my father-in-law earlier today. He's from Ottawa. So like no relation to the Panthers or the Islanders or anything. But I don't know if you know this. Ottawa fans are cheering for the Panthers to win this series because Ottawa has the Islanders first round pick. So they want uh, it to be a high one. No, there you go. The uh, the Canada Panthers ready to go. <laughs> yeah, so go Panthers. And yeah, this team, you know, it's been hard for people to say go Panthers too much ever since they started, right? They made the conference finals in their third season of the league back in 1996. They made the Stanley Cup finals in 96. They That's true. The they made it all the way. Yep. Right. Uh, John Van Biebsbrook, I believe, yep. was the goalie. Yeah. And they got beaten by the Colorado Avalanche, was it? 
they got swept. Yep. <laughs> so that was exciting. But then over the next 25 years or so, they've only made the playoffs a handful of times. They were in the midst of a three-year drought going into 2019-20. Though after 2018-19, it kind of seemed clear what the problem was, right? Like they weren't having trouble scoring. They ranked ninth in the league in goals for, but they struggled to keep the puck out of the net. They were fourth last in goals against. And that brought me some hope for 1920 for the Panthers because they made that big splash in free agency signing Sergei Bobrovsky to hopefully address what seemed to be their biggest problem. But then 2019-20 pretty much was the same as 2018-19. They scored a lot of goals. They were seventh in the league in goals for, but Bobrovsky had only a 900 save percentage. And once again, they were in the bottom four for goals against. Still, definitely in the playoff hunt come the time of the pause. Now they have a chance to go on a run. So like, would you say I'm oversimplifying things by saying that the Panthers are a team that's like great offensively, but is weak at D and goalie? Or is that basically the story with this team? No, well, I, I think it's more more you know convoluted than that. I mean, this is obviously a very good offensive team. I think you look at the line and, and the, the, the players that they've got, this is a team that can score goals, um, you know, it at a pretty good clip. I mean, they had two 90, 90 point guys last year and Sasha Barkov and Jonathan Huberdo. But you know what? When the goals started drying up, they 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 just they 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 figured out they had to play a different way. And I think at the very end of the season, before this thing went on pause, they kind of figured out how to play defensive hockey. And and they were winning games two to one, or they lost one two to one to the to to Boston, but played a terrific game. And they're going to have to kind of get back to that. That, that, You know, you're not going to be at a team 6-4 in in the playoffs very often, although it has, you know, it has been done before. Um, That's not a good way to go through it. And you're just not going to outscore everybody in in a foot race, not during the postseason. Things really tighten up. You got to play patient hockey. And I think the Panthers kind of understand that. And by the way they played in those final three games, I think they – could see that if they played the right way defensively that they could find success. So we'll see what they've got. I I think they've kind of adjusted their defense. Um, Sergei Bobrovsky, you you look at his numbers, and these are some of the lowest numbers of his career, but he didn't really have a whole lot of support in front of him. Right. Uh, Chris Drieger, the, the, uh, the, the backup, played the final three games where it looked like the Panthers had things figured out, and he was the beneficiary of it. Now, Driegs played very well. Um, but there were sticks all over the ice, uh, clear, you know, sticks in lanes, and they were hitting people, blocking shots, something they hadn't done all season. So if they can return to that, and I'm not saying they can. This is a, an entirely new season. It's been five months. Um, but if they can get back to that, I, I think they've got a pretty good opportunity here to do something. Yeah, I mean, it'll definitely be an interesting series against the Islanders because the Islanders are sort of the opposite. Like, they're not known for scoring a lot of goals, but are super strong defensively. So it's kind of like these two different styles playing against each other. And yeah, if you're saying the Panthers maybe have figured out how to shore things up a little bit, yeah, I'm curious to see what they can do. But I also feel like it's going to have to depend a little bit on Sergei Bobrovsky bouncing back quite a bit. Uh, Like, he had those brilliant seven years with Columbus, including two Veznas, that amazing playoff performance last year that helped the Blue Jackets sweep Tampa in round one, which shocked everybody. And then Bob struggled heavily out of the gate. He had a sad 882 save percentage in his first 17 games. But then I took a look. He actually did a lot better uh, the rest of the way. So he was improving. He got up to a 900 save percentage, like I said, by the pause. Uh, What's the vibe in the organization regarding the 31-year-old Bobrovsky after the first regular season of his seven-year $70 million contract? Like, are people still confident that he'll be able to bounce back and be this, you know, big money franchise goalie that they signed? Or are people worried that maybe they've made a mistake there? 
Uh, yeah, well, I think anytime you look at that kind of money, I mean, it's the biggest contract the Panthers have ever given out. I mean, oh. seven years, seventy million dollars. Um, Pavel Burry, they gave they gave him a, a you know a shorter deal, um, you know, back in the day. But this is the biggest contract the Panthers have ever given away. So the the, the expectations were extremely high on Sergei Bobrovsky to to produce from day one. And like you said, the first two months he did, and the numbers were not very good at all. Um, but if you watch this team every game. Um, as I do, again, you, there were games where Bob gave up five goals and you you could argue that he would have been one of the three stars of the game because oh. he, he just kept them in a game they had no business being in because of the way they were just turning the puck over right in front of the net, just, you know, not, you know, not doing anything with passes and just, just playing, you know, pond hockey out there. And again, they, they, they did clean that up as the season went along, but early on there was a, there was a, Bob really had to adjust to, to the way the Panthers played and never really did. And I think that a lot of that has to do with, you know, he, he spent seven years in Columbus and, you know, the way Columbus plays defensive hockey is a lot different the way the Panthers play it. And, uh, you know, Columbus takes pride in the way they play defensive hockey. And, and, and if they don't play a certain way, Torts is going to put you on the bench. So, um, you know, it came to a whole different world, both geographically and, and on the ice. So, um, you know, we'll see. I mean, again, you know, Bob is a traditionally a slow starter. Those first two months with the Panthers, not very good uh, statistically. Um, and, and, and then that lends for some, some questions about, how he's going to come out of this four month break, because this basically was another summer break. I mean, this was an off season. Um, they can't afford him to, 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 to be a slow starter. Now he's going to have to be good from the jump. Right. Of course. So he has the opportunity to sort of forgive everything from the season. If he can yeah, help the Panthers. It's a fresh start. No, 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 no doubt. I think if, you know, if he can get the Panthers past the Islanders and then, you know, likely match up with, with, the, you know, the lightning, who knows what'll happen, but you know, I think his whole season can be defined, you know, with what comes next. Yeah. Oh, that would be exciting if he gets the lightning again and then has the chance to play spoiler. You know, well, I mean, if, you know, if he, you know, if he gets bombed by the Islanders, you know, that's just going to add fuel to that fire. Yeah. And I guess if he does well, I don't think anybody's going to remember it. Yeah, for sure. Well, it reminds me of like when Holtby had a bad season with Washington, then he led them to the cup. And I don't think anyone was talking that summer about Holtby's rough regular season. Uh, So since we're in net, I did have a lot of questions. We have a lot of prospect fans that listen to the show. And I was like, oh, you're talking about the Panthers? Oh, you got to ask what's up with Spencer Knight? Because it was actually very interesting how the Panthers got Sergei Bobrovsky signed to this long-term deal, but then used their first-round pick last year to grab this goalie, Spencer Knight, who, by the way, just had a fantastic season with Boston College as an 18-year-old. He had a 1.97 goals against average, 931 save percentage in 33 games. So obviously, I assume with Bobrovsky in the picture, you'd hope the Panthers will have no urgent need to like rush Knight into the pros but do you have any sense of what kind of trajectory we should be expecting for this guy? Like, should we be assuming he won't get a big role until we're, you know, five years away, like close to the end of Bob's contract? I, yeah. I mean, I would, I would kind of think that, but, but time will, you know, <laughs> who knows? I, mean, I think if any, if 2020 has taught us anything, it right. knows. I mean, <laughs> I, I really don't know. I think um, when it comes to Spencer Knight, I think you look at a guy who had a good enough, freshman year at Boston College and everything that he's done for Team USA that you could make an argument that if he was playing for another organization and he wanted to come out after a freshman year I think that would you know maybe be encouraged uh, more so than you know 
than than it is with the Panthers. The Panthers are you know are, are happy that he's happy at Boston College, and they're in no rush to to, to pull him out of there. And and you know, I, I think they really like what he's doing there at BC. Um, you know, for good reason. I mean, he is a you know John Van Beesburg told me last year at the draft that he's a franchise goalie for the Panthers, and this was days before the Panthers had had formal you know officially agreed with, with Sergei Bobrovsky. So, you know, people are like, well, maybe they're not getting Bob, but no, that deal was already, that deal was already done. Um, I, yeah, listen, I, I mean, I think they're going to, they're, they're going to have an opportunity here to ease Spencer Knight in um, as they move forward. Um, maybe he's, you know, he's definitely coming, going back to BC for a sophomore year. Maybe he goes back for his junior year. I don't know. I mean, time will, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens down the road. Um, but there's no rush here. And, and then when he does get here, who knows? I mean, yeah. he may just light it up and, you know, who knows what will happen. So um, it's a good problem to have um, for the Panthers when you're talking about goaltender depth. Um, you know, they're going to probably lose one of their their goalies to Seattle, you know, next year. Um, and that may open up a spot for him. So we'll just have to see. Yeah, just hopefully he won't get his role the way like Carter Hart got it last year in Philly where like every other goalie got injured and so they were kind of forced to bring him up. It will be nice if, yeah, Spencer Knight could be developed properly. And But obviously that will also depend on Bobrovsky kind of getting back into form. So let's switch over to talking about Florida's exciting forward core, the thing that you know really led this team to get in this playoff race. And I've got to start with their star center, Alex Barkov, who notched a career high 78 points in 2017-18. Then he made that look kind of paltry with another breakout season, 2018-19, where he scored 35 goals and had 96 points. The By the way, I found the highest ever point total for a Panther. He beat Pavel Bure's 94 points in 1999-2000, so good for Barkov. And then a few months into 2019-20, it was looking like he potentially be able to best that record from the year before as well. Like He was up to 45 points in 38 games. That's a 97-point, 82-game pace as of December 29th after having a three-point game against the Habs. But then things kind of got a little weird the rest of the way something we haven't seen from Barkov for a while he went pointless for his next five games after that game against the Habs at the end of December then he got hot for a bit then went cold again nothing no points in his final six games before the pause and those two stretches brought his 82 game pace down to 77 points which is still great but much less than what he'd been trending for for the previous year and a half so is there anything to be concerned about here with Barkov's cold finish to the season or can we just like write this off small sample size of bad luck and still expect him to threaten for like triple digit points next year I don't think he was healthy all year. Oh, uh, I, I think I think something happened in training camp. Um, he didn't look right in the first couple weeks of the se- regular season. He got off to a slow start. Um, I asked him about it numerous times. Even you know, hey, hey, Barky, seriously, <laughs> come on. And uh, you know, he wouldn't say anything. But there was something, something off. And and then he got heated up, and then everything looked right, and it looked like. You know, the Panthers were going to have another two-player, you know, another, you know, dual 90-point guy, and you know, with Barkov and, and Huberto. And um, then he got – then he got – you know, he hurt his knee February 1 in Montreal, missed a couple games. The Panthers I, – I actually write about this uh, in a story that's coming out Sunday night. It'll be out Monday morning. Um, just how Barkov and Huberto really need to pick it up. But, you know, I – 
I think just Barkov was playing through something. I think it was up, you know, maybe like a shoulder early on, and then it was the knee in the second half of the season, and just things just never were right all season for him. He had a couple really good games. He had a two-goal game against the L.A. Kings, and he had some good games. Um, but the points just, you know, he wasn't a point producer for, for in a lot of, in too many games for a right. guy that is your captain and the number one center of your team. Um, and then Huberdo went cold at the end too. So when you've got both those guys, that's, that's problematic for a team like the Panthers. So, um, for a long answer to your short question, um, it, it was more than just a small sample size, but I think it was more of a physical thing. Maybe these four months, he says he's completely healthy. He says he's 100%, but he said that. You know, he told me that in oh, okay. October. <laughs> uh, but, no, he looks good. I mean, he does look healthy, looks stronger. Um, so we'll see. But the Panthers really need him and Huberto to get going uh, if they have any chance against the Islanders. Yeah, for sure. I, it's interesting. Like, I, I'm not sure whether to take this as good news or bad news because on one hand, okay, if he was kind of hurt and that explains why he had these cold stretches, then next year if he's healthy, he'll be great. Um, on the other hand, like his first four seasons in the league, he missed time with injury. Uh, so it would, ha- I'd hate but to there start. But always weird injury. He would break a hand blocking a shot. He got, a, you know, he got a knee injury at the Olympics. They were always, you know, hockey related thing, you know, mm. so he's not injury prone. I know people always look, you know, oh, oh he missed this much. He's not injury. Everything was, you know, hockey related. There were bone kind of injuries, you know, he's not a hamstring guy, but you know, he got hit pretty good in the preseason, took a shoulder and, you know, and, and I think that kind of jostled him a little bit. And then he had the knee go in and they thought he was going to be out a couple months. And when, it, when he first got hurt in, in February, on February one, I was told by somebody in the Panthers, dude, he might be out a couple months with this thing. And then it turned out to be a couple games, but truthfully, he wasn't old. He wasn't there. You know, he, he right. wasn't completely, he wasn't the Barkov we all know. So in these four months, it, it'll be uh, good for him, and, and we'll just have to see. Yeah, hopefully he's 100%, and good to set the record straight. Not a Band-Aid boy, just some bad luck injuries. Yeah, 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 he's had some legit injuries, so. <laughs> hopefully he'll have a Crosby-like career. I remember Crosby had some concussion issues early on, and then look at the career he's had, and that would be great if Barkov could be similar and stay healthy moving forward. And so you brought up Huberdo, of course, right along with Barkov's explosion over the last couple of seasons. His most common uh, left winger, Jonathan Huberdo, has been right there with him, 92 and 93-point paces over these past couple of seasons. In fact, uh, Huberto had 76 points through 61 games. That's a 102-point pace after a four-point game versus LA on February 20th. And then, like you said, he did go cold at the end to bring his total point pace down. But for a while, he was pacing like a 100-point guy on your fantasy teams or on your real-life Florida Panthers teams. Uh, though, as amazing as Huberto's been over the past couple of seasons, I don't know, like, I need you to sort of correct me here because I still always wonder if, like, is he really this good or is he getting just, like, a bit of a boost because he has such an amazing centerman? Like, I think of, like, uh, Miko Rantanen on Colorado sort of similar guy like yeah Ranchman's good but like he's playing with McKinnon so obviously he's gonna like you know get bumped up there like am I not being fair to Huberdeau in this hunch like should I be thinking that they're both helping each other equally or do you think there's something there they do I mean even though Joel Quinville has split them up and they're not on the same line anymore when those two are going and they're going together that line's dynamic and they Mm -hmm. can really they can really push push the play um they're both playmakers um, they both are looking out for each other. They both always know where the other guy is. Yeah, I mean, Jonathan Huberdeau's been helped by playing with Sasha Barkov, but Barkov's been helped by playing with Huberdeau as well. So um, 
Jonathan Huberdeau is a legit player. I mean, he the, the guy can score and he can he can do some damage. He's got a great shot when he shoots it. Um, he he can thread a pass like like few others. Um, he's got a great he's got great eyes for the ice. He sees things other other players don't, um, and he can get the puck wherever you want it. So no, I think Jonathan Huberdeau is legit. He's uh, just now really coming into his own. I think he's just now getting the uh, recognition around the league that, that mm-hmm. he deserves and. Um, again, you know, he didn't have the best ending to his season, but like he said a couple, you know, a couple days ago, they're not worried about the good part of the season. They're not worried about the bad. It's all over now. So it's all, it's all a new deal and they got the Islanders and that's what they're concerned about. Yeah. Fresh start. And actually it'll be interesting. Uh, as of yesterday, when I was prepping for this interview, I saw that actually Huberto and Barkov have been separated in these practices. I saw that there's been a line. Barkov's been with Dadanov and Alexi Sarella in practice. And then Huberto's well, been playing with Howland. Yeah, that was an injury thing. Sorella popped up. Uh, right now you've got Barkov on the top line with Dadanov and, uh, uh, Frank Vetrano is oh, okay. the top line right now. And that was the way this, the Panthers ended the season. Barkov and, and Huberto hadn't been playing, you know, ha- hadn't been scoring. So Quinville split him up. Um, so on the And so he went into camp with the same lines. They've stayed the same. Sorella only did that because they had to adjust some things with uh, Mark Pizzik going back to D I see. Uh, to replace Aaron Ekblad. But uh, second line is the, the Triple H line, they're calling yeah. it, uh, Eric Halla with Jonathan Huberto and, and Mike Hoffman. So. Cool. So do you think that's going to stick? Like, what, what do you think about this line combination? Because we've seen Barkov and Huberto together for so long, so it's kind of weird to see them apart going into the playoffs. They're still on the power play together, so of course, they're going to yeah. be on the ice together. Yeah, yeah, you don't take that away. Um, I, you know, if there's success, if they have success early on, Q's not going to change anything. But the, the, but the minute he thinks it starts getting stale, he's going to mix it up. So, yeah, I mean, you know, he's had the same line combinations seriously since March he started camp with them two weeks ago and they've stayed the same so i mean he's he's sticking with it for now whether it's you know that way during the tampa bay exhibition who knows but right now that's way it's looking Cool. So yeah, that's obviously big news, by the way, for Frank Vetrano. If he's going to hold a top yeah. line spot with Barkov and Dadnov, of course, we'll talk about Dadnov in a second because he might not even be back next year. But I've wondered about Vetrano for a while because he's had a couple great runs over the past couple of seasons, but still yet to break 40 points in his career in a season. And I'll admit, I've always been into him like for fantasy purposes because he has these big shot totals and, and with limited ice time. So you always wonder like, man, imagine if he got more ice time, he'd have so many shots and that usually leads to more goals. Like, I guess now that you're saying that he's, they're looking at him as a potential top line guy do you think that Vetrano is someone who maybe has upside for more than like this 40 point ceiling he's had so far like if let's say uh Hoffman and or Dadnov don't come back next year should we be expecting Vetrano to be a top six guy all season and maybe have a career year potentially sure I I think they've got some some ideas of what they want to do um once this thing is over and then they're going into next season we'll see what they are but um, yeah, I think Frank Vetrano plays into that. He got a, a contract extension last year. They were very happy with the season he had. Um, he was a little streaky this season, but seemed to show up in the big games. They like what Vetrano brings. He's a versatile guy. He's a guy that you can, you know, pretty much slide up and down the lineup. With you know, when you saw that practice report with Sorella playing on the top line. Vetrano was back down on the third line, and that third line was actually looking pretty good. So Vetrano is very versatile. Uh, He can move up and down. We're going to see what he does on this top line, but this is a tremendous opportunity for him because, again, you've got Dadnov and you've got Barkov. 
two guys that he's going to be able to create some space for, and he may be able to clean some stuff up. He might be able to use his shot, but they're definitely going to be, that's going to be a pretty fast line and it should be fun to watch. Yeah, I'll be very curious to see how it goes. Kind of reminds me, obviously not the same type of player, not even the same position, but like I remember Vincent Trocek was like decent on the Panthers for a little while, but then he like got this opportunity to be on the top power play and center some good people. And then he had that breakout year a couple of years ago. And I wonder if like, it's just a matter of opportunity. Maybe Vitrano could do something similar. They really like Frank Vitrano and, and for good reason. I mean, he came here, they got him for a third round draft pick. And that's awesome. He was hurt at the time and they gave him an opportunity to play. And, and he's looked, you know, very good over the last two two plus years yeah by the way speaking of getting really good players for really low costs i was i still can't get over the fact that mike hoffman because again sense fan here like the sense ship him over to san jose for like nothing and then san jose ships him over to florida for pretty much also nothing like we're talking about like a fourth and uh and a second round pick and we'll see what happens i think that carolina ended up with that 2019 second round pick so who cares anyways the florida's gotten hoffman we'll see what he could do for them in this playoff run but he's like you know, he was an established 60 point guy in Ottawa and he's been even better in Florida. He's had two straight 70 point pace seasons. You know, he 35 goal pace for these past couple of years. Any sense of what the Panthers are going to do with him? I guess. And Dadanov, right? Both of these guys have been really good for this past little while. And now the big question is, will they be able to hold on? Kind of like it's, it's funny because they have Bobrovsky who was on Columbus, who was in a similar situation last year with all these free agents. You were wondering like what they were going to do. And obviously Florida didn't like trade them at the deadline. They're going for it. And yeah, what do you think is going to happen? Or I guess, is it just like a who knows kind of thing? Well, we thought that, you know, it, you know, at the deadline, the Panthers would have moved one of their UFAs and not a guy like Trocek, but the team was in such dire straits. And honestly, Mike Hoffman was playing so well um, that they made the decision to, to, to load up, you know, on, on assets for, from, uh, from Vincent Trocek. Um, What, what happens with the UFAs? I I don't know. I don't know what's, I mean, we've still got an, you know, postseason to play. Um, if the Panthers get knocked out in three or four, maybe that you know, changes some things. Um, if they go to the East Finals, maybe that changes some things in another way. I don't know. Um, we always the, the general thought was Dadanov and Hoffman. You can't afford both of them. You're probably going to you know sign one. Um, now I don't know if they're going to sign either. Maybe they get both because of the way that the the, the, the market's going to be. I don't know. Nobody does. Nobody knows what the market's going to bear right. once free agency opens. You're going to have guys, Eric Howell, this is his first chance at being a free agent. He was expecting, you know, a decent kind. I don't know if it's going to be there for him. And, and that's just using him as an example. There's a, there's a bunch of NHL guys out there like that who we don't know what's going to be out there come October when free agency opens. So that could help the, the home team. It could, you know, maybe you get a guy on a two year. I don't know how it's going to work out. That's something we're going to have to pay attention to. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what the Panthers do with, with, with what they've got here free agent wise, because they do have two top six guys, well, three, when you count how it goes, you know, centers the second line, three top six guys who are UFAs. Those guys are hard to replace. The Panthers think they've got some young guys to do it, but do you want to risk the known for the unknown? You know, we'll find out. 
Hey, I'll, I'll get back to my interview with George Richards in just a second. I just want to take a quick moment to thank the sponsor for this week's episode of Keeping Carlson and the sponsor for the next series of episodes we're going to release. So we really appreciate these guys, DraftKings. You all know who DraftKings are, right? That's where you go to play daily fantasy. It's a ton of fun. You know, the NHL season, it ended in a weird way. Uh, the regular season, these playoffs are going to be weird. But what's not going to be weird is being able to play daily fantasy on DraftKings. And of course, as we all know, a lot with hockey you've got baseball you've got basketball and to celebrate the return of all of these sports DraftKings will have not one but two one million dollar top prizes through the first two days of the resume season so get in on all of the action now if you haven't tried it yet fantasy hockey fantasy basketball is easy to play you pick eight players you stay under the salary cap you pile up the points for all of the different categories and you see how you compare to the other people you're playing against there's no better way to put your hockey knowledge to the test than to compete for a shot at one million dollars and since we're going to be doing these DraftKings spots for the next little while how about every week i'm going to give you my DraftKings, i don't know like sleeper pick of the week so a player that maybe you'll be able to get a bit of a discount i haven't seen the hockey ones yet because we're still a week away so for this week you're going to want to go play some basketball but uh we just talked with george about frank vetrano if he's going to sneak onto that top line and play with barkov and dadanov i'll bet you he's not going to have a very high salary so he's someone i'd be looking to get on my team though the islanders do have strong defense and goaltending so i guess it's a trade-off there but it'll be interesting to see anyway okay DraftKings, download the app now use the promo code carlson by the way we're giving you a, we're giving you an offer here use the promo code carlson that's of course as an Eric Carlson, not John Carlson, get a free shot at millions of dollars up for grabs this week with your first deposit. That's promo code Carlson to get a free shot at millions of dollars with your first deposit only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Those guys are hard to replace. The Panthers think they've got some young guys to do it, but do you want to risk the known for the unknown yeah, we'll find out. Right, especially if like now they seem to be on the upswing after like missing the playoffs for so many years, it'd be a shame to have to go kind of back into a rebound and be pinning your hopes on these young players who I do definitely want to ask you about. So why don't we just get to that here? Uh, like I said, the patrons love when I talk about prospects. I'm looking like Florida has some names that I've been hearing uh, muttered about over the past few years that people are excited about. I want to start with Grigory Denisenko, the 2018-15th overall pick. He had 12 points in 38 games in the KHL this past season, but was over a point per game and in international play looked really good in like the world juniors. Uh, he's going to be 20 next year. Is he someone that you expect to get a shot with the big club soon? I think so. I think he'll be here. I think he's going to get every opportunity. I think he's in their plans um, to, to be on the team next season. They, they just recently officially signed him to his three-year ELC. So he's in the fold um, and then they'll see him when training camp opens and what, I don't know. Who knows? I don't know. Anyway, yeah, he's (laughs) going to get an opportunity to play. They really like what they've seen of him on the international stage. I think uh, in his KHL, um, with his cage, he plays for Locomotive in the K. Um, Word is I haven't seen him play. I don't get to see those games. But, you know, he hasn't had the best of opportunities there. Um, The Panthers think that he'll have a better shot here. We're going to find out. The kid's young. They really like him. They think he's mature for his age. Um, again, a little bit of an unknown, but he was he's a guy that they've they've paid strict, you know, a lot of attention to since they drafted him in 2018. So um, I think they are going to give him a shot. 
Yeah, and especially if these top six forward spots open up, then like, why not him or maybe Owen Tippett, who has now had a year of professional experience. He had a very good season with AHL's Springfield Thunderbirds this past year, 40 points in 46 games. I see that led the team in points. And that's obviously after he dominated the OHL Mississauga, leading to him getting that high pick of uh, 10th overall in the 2017 draft. So that's already three years ago. Should we expect Owen Tippett to be another guy who's finally going to get a chance in the big club next year? Yes, I do. Yeah, I, I think he would have gotten his chance this year had he not gotten hurt. He had mm. uh, hurt his wrist, or I, th- I believe it was his wrist, um, just before the All-Star break down in Springfield. Um, he was selected to the All-Star. He went. He didn't participate because he had just gotten hurt, but you know they had already bought his flight, you know, his airplane ticket, so he went. Um, I believe it was on in, in Ontario or something. I don't know what, anyway. Um that said, I, I do believe with the season that he was having, with the maturity that he had shown, uh, he was going to get a call up in February, especially the way the February was going for the Panthers. They, they, they were a team that desperately needed anything they could get. Um, and unfortunately for the Panthers and for Tip, uh, he was hurt at the time and couldn't play. So he's all healed up. He's in camp right now. It doesn't look like he's going to play just based on the opportunity he's been getting in camp. Um, looks like a couple of those other guys are ahead of him right now, but this is good experience for him. Um, and I think he's going to have every opportunity to, 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 to fight for not only a spot on the roster, but for you know maybe a top six role next year. So if you had to pick one guy to be more excited about between Denisenko and Tippett, like who's going to have the more points upside, who would you go with? Well, I, you know, I think we've seen Denisenko play it in, in the pro level um, in the K and not put up many points that I don't think, but they're different circumstances, right? Because Owen Tippett was playing first line minutes in the A. Of course, yeah. He was getting power play time that Denisenko wasn't. Uh, you know, I think they're two different players, but I think they both uh, look like they can be uh, players who can put up points. I mean, it'll be very cool. Like you could have one of them replaces Dadanov, one of them replaces Hoffman if needed. And then if you need someone to replace Eric Howla, I guess they do have their uh, 23rd overall pick in 2016, Henrik Borgstrom, who did get a long run with the Panthers in 2018-19, only 18 points in 50 games, barely saw any ice time, was averaging like 12 minutes a game. He was behind both Trocek and Barkov, so he's playing bottom six minutes. Uh, this past season, he was in the AHL in Springfield along with Owen Tippett, but he did not have as good of a season, at least points-wise. I'm 23 points in 49 games uh then like i said like on the plus side theoretically there could be a top six center opening next year so should we still have hope for borgstrom or do you think after what we've seen over the past couple of years maybe he's not going to be as good as they hoped when they drafted him i i don't i don't know i think he wasn't real happy with having to go down to the ahl and you know and i think the panthers know that um and they can't be happy with that either because you're like, all right, you're getting paid. Go do, you know, go, go down there and play. I like Borgstrom a lot. I think he's an extremely talented player. Um, didn't get much of a chance here this year. Uh, he was given the, the, the third center role. Um, I think that he only got in a handful of games before he was scratched and then eventually sent to Springfield. Um, and he's not in camp now. They say he's not healthy. Mm. I don't know. Um, there's reports that he's going to, you know, play in Helsinki next year. I don't know. Um, but uh, he's still a young kid. Okay. He's still a very young player. He's a guy who lit it up at the college ranks at the university of Denver, won a national championship with Denver, um, you know, held his own um, two years, the, you know, two years ago, uh, last, like, uh, last year with, uh, with, with Bob Bugner as the coach, um, 
And then this year, you know, Joel Quinville just said, all right, we're going to go with someone else. And I think maybe, you know, shattered, you know, the kid's confidence a little bit. And he's a guy that, that probably needs to play with a lot of confidence because he's got that high-end skill. So we'll have to see uh, what happens with, with Henrik Borgström. And I think in the next couple weeks or months, we'll find out if he's coming back to the Panthers. Yeah, I think he's going to put up a fight for a spot and, and he's going to have to fight for a job. Um, but, you know, again, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, and I guess obviously a lot depends on if Eric Howla comes back or if they can get another center that's established. Otherwise, maybe Borgstrom has a shot. So, so you were saying before that the Panthers feel like maybe they have the guys to replace the Dadanovs and, and Howlas and Hoffmans if they leave. Are those the guys? Like, did I miss anybody? Or, or is that pretty much who, who you were thinking of? Those are the guys. Okay, cool. So then let's switch over to defense, which is a very interesting situation, right? Like they've got Keith Yandel, who never misses a game. He ever since he signed with the Panthers in 2016, he's like played every game before that. He there's even a season where he got traded midway through, so he ended up playing 83 games. So he has like more games than even you'd expect over the past seven, eight years, whatever it is. They were the Phoenix Coyotes the last time that uh, he was- right. Yeah. yeah, Yandel's amazing. Uh, and though this season, I did notice, again, he's been the top power play quarterback now, year in, year out, maybe at the expense of Aaron Eckblad. And we'll get to him in a little bit. But uh, I saw this year under Joel Quenville, Yandel's ice time took a, a bit of a hit. He went from around 22 and a half minutes in 2018-19. He was down averaging 1942 in 2019-20. Of course, his power play was still there, but the even strength seemed to go down a lot. Uh, is Quenville like not a fan of Yandel's defensive game and that's why he cut his minutes and like should we be concerned that Yandel's role will continue to diminish now that he's like approaching his mid-30s and there's this new coach um I I don't yeah I mean I think he's obviously been moved down to a bottom bottom pairing uh he's you know five six now um but yeah he's still getting a lot of power play time and stuff I mean you know they he you know he's not a shut down defender by any means so, you know, they've just gone with other guys. I, I think, you know, at the start of the season, uh, Yandel was with Ekblad and he was getting big minutes. And then they put someone else with Ekblad and, and, and they just kind of moved Yandel down. Um, he's, you know, he's an offensive-minded defenseman. You look at the points that he puts up, he's very valuable to the, to the Panthers, especially quarterbacking that power play. And, uh, is, you know, he, he's a dangerous guy running that thing. Um defensively i mean they they've got other guys to do other things so yeah right. i mean his 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 time has has gone down as as well as his role so but know. still it's pretty impressive that he was able to put up like 45 points in 69 games playing yeah. less than 20 minutes you don't see too many defensemen do that with lower than 20 minutes of ice time per game and obviously like half of those points came on the power play do you think that role is like secure still for years to come because I, like i look at aaron ekblad who by the way just had like this amazing season offensively which as a non-panthers like watcher was like pretty under the radar like when i was looking at the stats to prepare for this it was like ekblad had 41 points in 67 games for a 50 point pace it was his the 41 points were his career high uh, it makes me wonder, like, like how many points would Ekblad get if he ever got a shot on the top power play? It seems like he had bad luck. They brought in Yandel, and Yandel doesn't even get injured to give him a shot like there. Right, right, yeah. So, yeah, do you think there's ever going to be a future scenario where Ekblad gets on the top power play and is like a 50, 60-point defenseman like Yandel has been, or is it just not going to be in the cards for him? I, I don't know. I mean, as long as Yandel's doing what he's doing and that power play is cooking, I mean, you, you're not going to make the change, right? So uh, I'll tell you one thing, though. Ekblad's getting that opportunity to run the power play as the quarterback of the power play, too. So if anything mm-hmm. ever did happen, he'd be able to slide right in there and, and take over that spot. So he's getting good experience, not good minutes. 
uh, because usually he's coming on with 20 seconds left in a power play trying to cobble something together. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, the opportunity isn't there for Aaron Eckblad, but the opportunity to practice it is. And, and I think that they would have all the confidence in the world if something happened to, to Keith Yandel that, that Eckblad could step in and run power play one. It just, you know. Never came up. <laughs> never come up because he, the guy never misses any games. Yeah, and uh, but do you think that Eckblad would put up Yandel-like yeah, numbers? Would. Yeah, I think he would. I think I don't know if it'd be Yandel type numbers because I think Yandel is terrific. Mm-hmm. Um, Yandel is a special player when it comes to to, to, to power play management and, and and just just threading that puck through a lot of traffic. Um, but ekblad has got a terrific shot. He's got a, a, a booming shot that finds its way through, um, and, and I think he's gotten better. Um, with his passing and things of that nature. So, yeah, I think he would put up comparable numbers. But to say Yandel numbers, I mean, those are those are pretty high-end numbers for a defenseman when it comes to power play points. Yeah, for sure. But, okay, it's good to at least know that Ekblad is next in line. I have been seeing some chatter about 21-year-old Max Gilden that maybe he's someone who could challenge Ekblad, like, which would be a shame for Ekblad that like when Yandel finally retires or gets moved away, then like Gilden just – takes over, but he had a tremendous season with the university of New Hampshire this past year, 29 points in 34 games. He was QBing their top power plays. Is this a guy we should be having on our radar to make a splash soon? And do you think he's like potentially could challenge Ekblad to be next in line for that top power play? I don't know. I mean, mean, he's still a ways away. I mean, I think they, they do like him as a prospect. Uh, No doubt about that. I've heard a lot of good things about him. Um, But uh, you know, defensemen take a little bit of time to, to, to season and to, to mature and, um, you know, let's just, you know, let's give it some time, but right. no, I, I think, you know, if he does the right things and, and continues working, he's going to be fine. They, they really are high on him. They really like him. Okay. So, uh, Victor was the one who asked and I was like, wait, what about Ekblad? And he was like, no, it's, it's good. So, so yeah, it sounds like Gildan for sure. Someone we should have on our radar. That, that's for sure. Yeah, uh, yeah, no doubt. Yeah. He's good. Good little player. And then one more defenseman that I was asked to ask you about. William wanted me to ask about Mike Matheson and his offensive potential. Hey. I got to <laughs> got to imagine his stock isn't especially high right now. Along with Yandel, Matheson saw a big cut in his ice time yeah. going from like over 22 minutes last season to like around 18 minutes this season. Only 20 points in 59 games, so 28-point pace. Is there anything here? Like Matheson's 26 years old at this point. Is what we've seen so far what we're going to get moving forward? Or is he kind of like Frank Vetrano where maybe an opportunity might come on the horizon to lead to a breakout? Uh, Mike Matheson is an interesting case only because, you know, I think a couple years ago when the Panthers signed him to that really long contract, there was talk within the organization that a lot of people and a lot of scouts around the league were, were saying this Matheson kid is better than Aaron Eckblad. And, wow. and I, th- I think a lot of people were thinking that because of the way, I mean, he jumped onto the scene in 2016 in that playoff series. Um, had such a great career at Boston College, and his first two NHL years were very good. But I think he lost a little confidence. He, uh, you know, the last year especially had a lot of turnovers and a lot of lot of mishandling of the puck, um, and, and that was something that he had to get over. I think he really cut back on a lot of that stuff this year. Uh, but there were still times where he was making some mistakes and, and just seemed to kind of kind of lose it. And and Joel Quindle's just not a guy that's going to give you the time to work through it sometimes. And, and he's put, you know, Matheson on the bench and he's, you know, has cut his minutes, but I think Matheson's got all the physical skills. He's one of the smartest people in that room. He's going to figure it out. I really like Mike Matheson as, as a hockey player. I think he's had a tough couple years. I think I've, you know, 
I, I've said this throughout the season. There, there are there there are weeks at a time where you're like, I I forgot Matheson was even out there, and that's a good thing. And, and, <laughs> ah, and right. you know, I said that to Q, and he got like he's like, oh yeah yeah no yeah yeah yeah, because last year you noticed Mike Matheson in a bad way. It wasn't a good thing yeah. because you know he'd be right in front of his net and you know give the puck up or you know, some, some weird pass. So he really worked hard on cutting back on the mistakes, the mental errors. Um, I think his, I think his turnovers were a third of what they were last year. So that's a great improvement. Um, I I think he's going to be fine. I think he's, you know, another guy that's kind of playing under the weight of a contract. He got an eight year contract. Um, that people are kind of looking at now and going, you know what, but at the time, you know, you're looking at a, a, a 20, 21 year old, you know, top end defenseman that you're locking up for, you know, five years of, of free agency. So you were thinking it's a pretty good deal and it still may turn out to be. So yeah, as far as Mike Matheson goes, I, I think that, that he's on the right road to, to, to coming back from, you know, whatever it was that, that, that was messing with him last year. Oh, that's good to hear. So maybe a good sleeper for the future. Maybe he'll be the answer to this next question, which is my final question for you. This has been awesome, by the way, going through all this team. It's really yeah, great to hear yeah, your yeah. takes. Thanks Breaking for all your time. Down, baby. <laughs> so yeah, I guess the, the final question I want to ask, sort of a generic question. Uh, let's say you had to pick one Panther that you expect to be like the biggest positive surprise next season. I guess it could be Matheson. So someone that's, you know, right currently not really on people's radars right now. And then next year, I'm like, oh, wow, I can't believe this guy had such a great season. And then on the other hand, who's one Panther who you think will be like the biggest disappointment? You know, someone that people are expecting a lot from and he might not be able to meet their expectations. Well, that's a tough one. I, I think a guy that's kind of not on anybody's radar as far as the Panthers go is uh, Lucas Walmark. Mm. guy they got from uh, Carolina. I think he's a good young player. I th- he was the guy the Panthers had to have in that Vincent Trocek trade. They really like the way he plays both ends of the ice. They think that he can be an offensive guy if given the right opportunity. So I wouldn't be surprised if, if you know, if, I don't know, you know, if Eric Halla doesn't return next year, maybe Lucas Walmart takes over that second center position. Oh, interesting. And literally replaces uh, Vincent Trocek. But his um, name doesn't start with H. Right. So, yeah, you got to change. You got to find something there. Maybe <laughs> Luca ass. I don't know. Um and who would be a biggest big disappointment? I I don't know. I mean, yeah, you're a fan. You can't say. Knows. I don't. I don't know. I mean, I, who are people really looking forward to next year? Who had a big year this? Well, let's Huberdo. look at it. Well, yeah, but Huberdo. I mean, those those guys are. They're going to be fine. How about like a yeah. Keith Yandel? Like Yandel uh, is getting older. Maybe people are going to expect another 50-point year from him. Do you think he's going to have another? It sounded like you were saying you do think he's going to have another 50-point year at least. Yeah, I mean, just the, I mean, it's all assists, right? I mean, the way he plays the game, I mean, when you, when you look at how he runs that power play, he's got that thing on automatic. Right. Okay, um, I've, got, I've got an answer. It's going to no. be someone like Hoffman or Dadunov because they're going to go to another team and not get to play with right. Barkov, and so they're going to do worse than they were doing. That's a good one, yeah. Or did you have someone in mind you were about to say? No, I'm just looking through the roster, and I'm trying to pick out somebody that maybe had a big year this year that maybe won't next year. I don't know. Um, That's oh, good. But I, you know, Nolachari, 20 goals this year. The most he's ever had is 10, so he doubled his career high. Um, but – that's kind of unfair too, because Noel Chari was brought in here to center the fourth line. 
as long as he does a good job there, they're only, they were only hoping for seven, eight goals a year out of that guy. They put him up on the second line and he went bananas. So yeah, like a big chunk of his goals came. I've seen in like a three game stretch. He had two straight hat tricks against Ottawa and Dallas and, and scored the next had, right, And he almost had the third. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that was, was, that was a wild stretch. <laughs> he had a pretty good run. Yeah, Achar is cool, but yeah, that makes sense. And maybe don't expect him to have another two hat-tricks in a row next season. Okay, so George, once again, thanks so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Uh, can you, do you want to tell people like how they can follow what you're doing, how they can see this latest article that you were just referencing? Yeah, yeah. Um, you can uh, read all my Florida Panther stuff on uh, my new website, uh, my, new, my new news source, if you will, floridahockeynow.com. Uh, we just dropped our first podcast ourselves. Uh, the, the Panthers Press Box podcast just came out on Friday. So that's brand new, new one coming out this week. Uh, all, you know, we'll have a bunch of them this week. Um, so I'll, I'll pump my appearance here as well. Uh, but yeah, Florida, FloridaHockeyNow.com. I'm at George Richards on Twitter. And, uh, you know, come visit, come hang out. I'll definitely link to that in the show notes. And yeah, I'll tell my father-in-law, Leonie, to check out the Florida Hockey Now podcast because he's now a big Florida fan for at least the first round because he wants them to knock out the Islanders. Well, there you go. Tell him uh, Tell him he can find it where, anywhere you find podcasts. Perfect. Okay, thanks again. Good luck to the Panthers. And yeah, it was great talking to you. Have a good night. Good talking to you. Thank you. All right. How great was that? I didn't lie, right? Thanks so much again, George. This was a really fun chat. And I'm very interested to see this series of the Panthers against the Islanders. We've got strong offense versus strong defense, the irresistible force versus the immovable object. I remember that from my old uh, WWF watching days as a kid. Yeah, that's going to be a fun series. We're going to have a fun playoffs, man. This has been such a blast, like talking about hockey recently. We just did some playoff pool drafts over with uh, Keeping Carlson patrons and, and listeners. And uh, I got Connor McDavid as a first overall pick in my playoff pool. It was just for the first round, though, and then we redraft. Obviously, it's a little riskier to take McDavid if, uh, you know, then you have to hope that the Oilers are going to make it all the way if you're in a full playoff pool. But you guys don't care about that. You care about your own pools. And if you have any advice, questions you want to throw at us, we're on Twitter taking your questions. So at Keeping Carlson on Twitter, we'd love to help you out with your playoff pools. But okay, I'm going to stop my blabbering. Let's cue the outro music and I'm going to go ahead and read you the credits. So this episode of Keeping Carlson was presented by Dauber Hockey, supported by our patrons. Uh, consider becoming a patron. KeepingCarlson.com slash patron. Just a buck gets you all the perks. You can read about it again. KeepingCarlson.com slash patron. Logos by Brandon Weeb. Outro music by Pat Roach. And this episode was researched with help from Dauber Hockey, Frozen Tools, Dauber Prospects, Natural Statric, Evolving Hockey, Cap Friendly, Charting Hockey, HockeyGoers.org, Hockey Reference, Hockey Viz, Hockey Database, Elite Prospects, Roto World, and of course, all of George Richards' analyses at George Richards on Twitter, FloridaHockeyNow.com definitely worth checking out okay thanks everyone again for listening we're going to be back at you next week with a non-beat writer interview episode brian and i are going to just talk about the playoffs we're going to have some we have a fun idea for an episode so we're going to take a break from the interviews do some regular keeping carlson podcasting and yeah make sure you're subscribed and ready for everything that's coming at you we're not going to stop so uh, until then keep on keeping carlson 